Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode on Beyond the Bikini Radio. So today we are interviewing David Mathis, and I'm super excited to have him on the podcast today because we chatted more on his struggles with disordered eating and his struggles with going through therapy, getting over disordered eating, and how he recovered and become the online coach that he is today. David has a master's of science in exercise science, and he's a grad from USF. He's also a U.S. Army combat vet, an ACE certified personal trainer, a CrossFit level one coach, and a coach for Team Bio Lane, which I'm sure you guys know who Lane Norton is. So really excited to have David on. And again, I wanted to bring him on because I feel like so many men don't talk about their relationship with food and their relationship with exercise. And it's really important to note that not only females struggle with this, but men do as well. So thank you again, David, for having you on. And if you guys are enjoying Beyond the Bikini Radio, make sure that you share this with a friend, or if you could do me a favor, give me a rating and review on iTunes, or make sure that you tag David and I, and let him know that you enjoyed the podcast episode. So you guys can find more information down below in the podcast episode details. Welcome back, guys, to another episode on Beyond the Bikini Radio. Today, we have a special guest. Welcome, David. I'm super excited to have you on. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. Today, we're going to be sharing a little bit more about David's story with getting into fitness. He is a current coach for BioLane. He has tons of amazing credentials. He is a master's of exercise science at USF, right? Yes, ma'am. USF is what brought me down to Tampa. So I am super excited to have David on and we're going to be talking about his struggles with disordered eating. And the reason why I wanted to bring you on, David, is I feel like a lot of men don't really talk about their relationship with food or even struggling with um, disordered eating. It's almost more so like a taboo topic and eating disorders in general are pretty taboo. But then if you flip it more towards um, men, nobody talks about it. So I'm very thankful for right. on today. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. This is uh, something I've been very open with for a few years now since I've, I mean, I've been recovered for probably, you know, recovered. Um, You know, it's always something that you deal with that you always have to, you know, keep in the forefront of your mind and work through the steps and lessons that you've learned from your recovery. But I've been good for, you know, three or four years now. Um, And um, ever since I did go through therapy and go through recovery, it's been a goal of mine to bring more awareness, especially for males, because like you said, it's, it's very taboo to begin with and even more so with men and coming from my situation, being a man in the military yeah. and having it is a whole nother, a whole nother, um, aspect of this. So, um, it's definitely been my goal. So I'll, I'll try to be as helpful as I can. Yeah. So David, like what got you into fitness? Um, you know, I know that you have a background in the army and I'm sure that you guys had to keep up with your physical fitness too, even being a medic. Um, but tell me a little bit more about like what got you involved with fitness. 
Um, pretty much since the day I came home from the hospital, I had a, a baseball and a football in my, in my crib. Um, I've been an athlete my whole life, baseball, basketball, uh, played football for a little bit, tennis, cross country, anything you can name. I, I played it. I'm a sports junkie. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was about 13, my middle sister, I have two older sisters. Uh, my middle sister went to Arizona state for exercise science. That was kind of the first time I actually realized you can go to school for this. Um, now, I'm 35, so th- we're talking late 90s here, okay? Um, the world was a lot different back then. Exercise science was not the way it is now. Um, but it kind of got me interested in, in the fact that, oh, you know, this can actually be a living later on. Um, I started getting into the weight room a little bit more then, kind of just mostly preparing for sports. Um, I loved bodybuilding, but I was an athlete. Like, I was... I was training for basketball and everything else, um, but I really got into fitness. And then actually, my high school girlfriend's dad was a triathlete. And so then he kind of started getting me a little bit more interested in the nutrition aspect of everything. Um, And it just kind of snowballed from there. And I was just gung-ho about the gym since, you know, age about 13. Um, I didn't go to get my undergrad in it, though. So we're talking like early 2000s. Yeah. It just wasn't a really good career field to go into. Yeah. It's not that's, like it is now. Just like gym teachers and um, yeah, and I, and there was that's not at all what I wanted to do. Um, so I took a different route. I went and got my management degree um, at Indiana University. That's where I'm from, Indiana. And when I the whole time though, I was I was in the gym training. I I, I still in the back of my mind knew I wanted to do something with athletes. I kind of actually thought about going into. Um, becoming a, a sports agent because I just wanted to be around the, the athletic community. Well, fast forward 2007, I graduated from Indiana university and I moved down to Florida. Um, my dad had moved down here a few years earlier. So I was kind of familiar with the St. Pete Clearwater area. Um, and I was like, Hey, what better place to start? Right. Let's go down there. So I actually had my first real out of college job working at home shopping network, which is headquartered down here. Um, I was an electronics buyer. So basically anything that you saw that was on TV, computers, phones, any of that stuff, I was in charge of helping bring that in and sell it. Okay. I was good at it. It was a good job. Hated it. Hated yeah. it. I'm not a dust person. Um, and so at that time, I started looking into getting my personal training certifications. So actually, at that time, I got my uh, ACSM personal training certification. And I actually went out to San Diego for a week and did my CrossFit level one certification. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right around the time that CrossFit started getting big. Um, it, it was like 2008 time period. It just started taking off nowhere near what it is today. Um, and I, I did CrossFit. I loved it a lot, which is probably one thing that really attracted me to the military, that real functional type of training. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if some of your viewers, listeners, remember or know of the market crash in 2008 um it was pretty bad um i wasn't getting any personal training clients anymore nobody wanted to pay for that um i knew i wanted to go back to school at this point i was like this is my life this is my career i want to do this so i went into the army um i was a combat medic in the army and that was an experience that was a uh, i was 24 when i went in so i had already had real life experience. I've been on my own, had a real job. Um, Everything kind of got twisted, kind of flipped upside down when I went into the army, you know, and there was a bunch of 18 year olds that, that need this discipline. And I kind of 
I thrived, but at the same time, it was a big culture shock to me. And, um, but I loved it. I loved being in the army. I loved being a medic. I was a good soldier. And, um, you know, my physical fitness really kind of put me at the top. So that was a, that was a big plus for me. That was also my big demise as I would come to later find out because, um, when we got deployed in 2010 to Iraq, um, I actually got flown around to different bases around Iraq to interview with generals and, uh, cause I was going into officer school. I, I knew at that point, actually at that point I was like, you know what, I'm going to make this a career. Like I was, I loved it. I was that good at it. I'm going to make this a career and I'm going to go to PA school. I'm going to be a, a PA in the army and flew around to the different bases and got the okay, you know, did my interviews and my base didn't, my unit didn't send my paperwork back to the States in time. So I missed the deadline for application. That meant I was going to have to wait a whole nother year before I could apply. And that just left a real bitter taste in my mouth. Um, I was already stressed from being over in a combat zone. Um, I was severely disappointed because I felt like everything I'd worked for was just kind of out the window. And I started losing control slowly. Um, and the way that I was gaining back control was controlling my exercise, controlling my eating. And that just kind of snowballed little by little. By the time we got back from Iraq in, it was beginning of August of 2011. Um, you know, at that point I had just kind of mentally checked out. Like I was pissed. I was angry. I was sad. Um, and I just didn't feel like I had any control in my life. Um, you, if anybody's in the military, you already know, you don't really have a whole lot of control. Anyways. But I had my future planned out and it, it just, it hit me like, like a can of bricks. Like it, it just something in my mind, it triggered and I just went off the deep end and I started, um, kind of taking it out on myself. You know, I would, I'm not even joking. When we'd have PT at five in the morning, I would get up at three and go to the gym on base and get a workout in before PT. And I'm sure I would, in your head that made sense to do, you know? It did. It did. And I mean, I was doing like three workouts a day. It, see, I never, I never um, purged in the sense of like vomiting, right? Mm-hmm. Mine was always, I, I restricted my eating and I overexercised. That was my way of coping with the, with the fear, the, the sadness, the anger, um, the, the feeling of not having control. That's how I dealt with all of that. Um, and I just slowly over the next few months just kind of deteriorated. And honestly, the only reason why I went into the doctors to get looked at, this was around, this was like right after Thanksgiving in November. Um, we had a PT test and I was stationed up in Seattle, right outside of Seattle, Washington, at uh, Joint Base Lewis McCord. And it gets cold up there, right? So um, we're out there, we're, we're running and, and t-shirts and shorts that's what our PT uniforms were and I always killed it on PT tests like killed it my my two mile time was like 11 30 like killed it so that PT test I got like a 13 something I, I don't even know still passing still great a great time but in my mind I'm like well something's wrong like why did I why did I drop off this much so I thought I was just sick I thought maybe I had I don't know what. So I went into the, um, to the clinic on base. I was like, something's not right. I don't feel good. Like my, my PT performances are going down all this stuff. And actually the PA that was assigned to our unit, um, in Iraq was the PA 
on base. So we already had a really good relationship. Um, Captain East was his name. Um, he's now out of the military, but he, he knew something was up. He, like I had deteriorated. Mm-hmm. I just was the only one not seeing it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, listen, I want you to go over to the hospital. I want you to get some tests run and everything. He, I'm, I'm still convinced to this day, fully knew that I was not going to leave the hospital. Like, I think he called, made a call, said, do not let this guy leave because I wasn't in my right head. Yeah. I, I described it to therapists later on as like, like I was looking down on my body and I knew what I was doing was wrong. I knew it was harmful, but I couldn't stop it. Yeah. So I was just like looking down and I was like a puppet, like going through these motions. And so I got checked into the hospital there, um, like beginning first or second of December, I believe of 2011. And I didn't leave again until mid-January. I, they had put, I had uh, developed pneumonia. So I was deteriorating really fast. Like if I didn't check in that day, they probably would have found me collapsed in my room at some point. Um, I was in the ICU for like 30 days. Uh, My weight dropped down to 95 pounds. Um, My resting heart rate was 25. Wow. Yeah. They actually called my parents and flew them up to base because I was not expected to make it through the night. Um, luckily I did, (laughs) but it was, um, it was one of those experiences where I was not even being honest with myself still. Like I was doing no joke. Like I was doing 1500 burpees a day. Just put that in perspective. And that was normal for me. It was my way of combating the fear, the, the anger that I had inside. And my form of self-destruction was just controlling my food and, and exercise. So, um, you know, I went through treatments. I went through some inpatient treatments. Um, they sent me to one a little south of LA. Um, I was there for about five months. Um, I was just going through the motions. I didn't, I didn't care. I didn't want it. I was exercising in my room, okay. like in between getting checked. Were you resilient to treatment? Because I think a lot of people in their disorder, it's like an addiction and you create these rituals and then someone's mm-hmm. telling you, to change and you've like developed it in your head that you know like I do this so there's like a little bit of like OCD tendencies but it's like sort of related um I even know like for myself I used to it's funny that you say the burpees I used to work out in my room like really late at night when my parents would go to bed or like downstairs where I would like go out for a run um if it was like late and I felt like I over ate and be like a serving of halo top and I'd like go work out right messed up um but I would do it in secret and hope that no one would like find out yeah so I mean I could probably go on for two hours about the ways that I self-destructed myself during uh during rehab I was exercising and you brought up a good point the OCD thing um I was clinically dosed with or clinically diagnosed um with true obsessive compulsive disorder I mean it would get so bad that like you know if I was, I, I ate at the same time every day. I, I worked out at the same time every day. I did everything the same. I wouldn't even like hit the microwave until it read a certain time. Like very, very. So I'm very sensitive when people are like, oh, I'm so OCD about this. Like yeah. you don't know <laughs> the power that true OCD has over you. Like it's, it ruins your life. And that oh, coupled with the regimented lifestyle of the military, it was like the perfect storm for me. Now, I don't blame the military. I don't blame anything like that. Um, it was on me. And it was actually coming to find out that later on, talking with therapists and everything, that 
it actually dated back to stuff that happened in my childhood that I was just holding on to that kind of manifested in this later on when, when some of these events that I told you about happened, um, it just was like, it just snapped in me, but it actually really dated back to stuff that was happening in my childhood. And like I said, I went to the, I went to the inpatient facility. I just went through the motions just enough to get out. I went back, I finished my, um, I finished my contract up with the military. Um, and then I was out on my own. And then those feelings had not gone away. I started relapsing again and had to get checked into another inpatient facility here in Clearwater. So, so a couple of traits that I like want to take away is like you are hyper competitive, um, hypercritical and you, I do feel like you like exercise, but you also don't realize that that can be dangerous at the time when you were struggling and it's Absolutely. You can be praised for exercise. So what you think is like, I'm doing something good, like I'm working out, but that can be taken to like a whole nother level. Um, and it's funny that like with the competitiveness, um, part of that, like in the army could have been comparing yourself to like the other men. 100%. Yeah. And like my, the other thing too, is just like the lifestyle with the army. So like my boyfriend always would talk about how like you guys would go super long periods of time without food and you just deal with it and you're used to it. Yeah. And you're like having such strict structure and it impresses me that um even to this day like he can go like eight hours and like not even think about food and then there's me it's like four hours I'm like I'm ready for another meal yeah it's um that and then another another downfall I guess you can say of it is that still to this day I eat really fast Mm -hmm. because especially in boot camp like when you're in basic training you might have two minutes to eat your meal like, and I still, when my wife and I are out to eat and everything, like now she eats slow as it is, which is a good thing, but I eat super fast. So like I'm done and just waiting there and she's yeah. still, still eating. But so there are some, there are some things that do carry over from your training in the military that also, you know, for me was an added um, detriment to this. Now, another thing is, is that I was kind of known as the PT guy. Like I was the I was the fitness guy. So like you said, I had that standard to uphold. Um, and, but mostly it was, it was me dealing with underlying issues that actually had nothing to do with food, exercise, or body image issues. It, it had to do with other things. And that's why when I talk to people nowadays or I, you know, someone messages me like, what should I do? I tell them you have to go talk to somebody because most likely you do not understand what is actually causing you to carry out these behaviors because I'm not saying it's never a body image issue, but that's usually a secondary cause. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just, I've been in and out of therapy. I was in and out of therapy pretty much from 2011 to 2015. And it wasn't until that last time I went in in 2015 where I was really like, you know what? I don't want this anymore. Yeah. I don't want to feel like this. And it takes everybody a different time in their life and a different experience to reach that. And you're not going to be able to help someone until they actually get to that point in their head. I can remember this clearly. Now, don't, I don't know why it came to me at this point. I was sitting on my back, the back steps of my apartment, drinking myself <laughs> crazy, having bourbon, smoking a black and mild. And I was just like, this is, this is ridiculous. Like, I don't want this anymore. Yeah. And I, I had been seeing a therapist at the VA 
um, at, not by the beach. And I told her, I was like, listen, I need help. Like I'm ready. <laughs> I've been going through the motions, but I'm ready. And that was, that was the start to my recovery at that point, my true recovery. Mm -hmm. I, um, I kind of do something myself. Like, I've had multiple relapses, which I disorder with like relapse into a different disorder so like it was yeah. exercising and then anorexia and then bulimia but i always had like an anorexia bulimia subtype that's like my technical diagnosis um, yeah so yay um uh with my disorder what made me like want to change was when i i drove myself to someone to talk to and they're like you can die like you can die from this and i'm like the fact that like, I know, like I knew deep in my heart that I had something more to offer the world than just what I was currently right. doing. And I'm like, I don't want to have like cardiac arrest and like, that would be horrible. And I realized how selfish I was being and how like me focusing on all these other areas of my life. And I was under a lot of stress too at the time because I was just post-college and I was working like a full-time job doing in-person training and still trying to do my coaching business. And I was just really bright. Right. No so it kind of sounds like the, the same situation with me is your life dramatically changed. Yeah. And that kind of threw you off a little bit that, that completely changed, like probably added a lot of fear to your life because it, the unknown. And that's what I found is a lot of the unknown is what, what was causing my fear. But and I'm sure that the food probably comforted me to some extent because I wasn't by family at all. I was living like two hours away from them. So that probably okay. comforted me and I probably felt bad. And then again, yeah. you can get like a dopamine, dopamine hit too when you are. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know if this is how you felt or maybe you haven't even thought about it, but this is also something I picked up during therapy is that I felt so alone. And the one thing that I loved the most was being active, being in the gym. Um, you know, like I said, I was an athlete my whole life. It's what I knew. It's what I love. Um, so it almost, it turned into my best friend mm -hmm. and it's, it's like when you're alone and you're sad, who do you go to? You go to your best friend. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what, that's kind of the, um, justification, I guess. And my head is like, well, Hey, like you said, this is healthy. This is good. Right. So more has got to be better. And that's what you're taught in the army is that more is better. And that's just not the, that's just not reality. Right. And that's, that's definitely something as you seem like a very type A person as well. And that's something that we probably have a, a very hard time uh, letting go of is that perfectionism. And, and it just, it, it took me years, even, you know, even sometimes today, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, I still have a hard time um, letting go of that perfectionism. I, I've gotten a lot better, but I also think now that I've learned to use it in a, a very positive way. Like I'm very realistic that I'm not going to be perfect. Right. Um, whereas before that wasn't even a thought in my mind. Now I use it to drive towards perfectionism, but I don't let it control my life. I, if I don't achieve perfection, I don't think of myself as a failure. I, I look at different achievements along the way and use that as, you know, motivation and, and determination to keep going where a lot of people that fall into the eating disorder habit is they never get out of that perfectionism mindset. And that's really what the downfall is because you're chasing something you're never going to achieve. Mm -hmm. um, I always tell people like to like in regards to like my current life, I'm like, I fail all the time. Like, and that's okay. And it, it, that yeah. used to bother me like the fear of failure. And now like, I feel like I chase failure and I chase like 
not being good at something because now it's almost the complete opposite where I'm like, ooh, that excites me because I'll be able yep. to learn something. But like the old me would hate that. And one other thing that helped me is re realizing that other people struggle with what I have um, yeah. and talking about it. So that's part of like what really helps me talk about it more on social media. Um, and then I realized I'm like, oh, like I'm not alone. Just nobody talks about it. Yeah. And you know, that that's a really interesting point because as open as I am now about it, and I have been for the last few years, that's actually what held me back for so long is because I didn't see anybody that looked like me talking about it. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't really have not, I guess I can't say that. I probably had a little shame and embarrassment, mm -hmm. but I also didn't have any role models to go to be comfortable enough to open up about, you know, like women also, a lot of women have a lot of women that have gone through this, that make it a little bit easier. I'm not saying it is easy, but it makes it a little bit easier. But when you're a male, especially one who's this manly male, who's coming from the military and you don't have anybody else that's speaking out, you, you do feel the shame, you feel this embarrassment. Um, and that took me a long time to get over. And, you know, I've been over for a long time and that's, that's been my main mission. That's part of why I got into coaching. Um, you know, part of it is, is my love for bodybuilding, for helping people get healthy, but it's also to have a platform to be able to do things like what you're doing like this and talk to people about my struggles. Cause the, the pain, the mental anguish that I went through is so much worse than any physical uh, deterioration that I went through. Mm -hmm. The, the ment living in that constant hell every single day and that paranoia um, I don't wish that on anybody. I got people I really don't like, and I don't wish that on them. Um, it's just something that I feel I kind of, it's kind of a duty of mine. Like there's still not a whole lot of men out there talking about this. There are a few more now um, and I've connected with them and there's, they're become kind of acquaintances, but there's still not enough of us speaking out about this. And that's why every, every month or so, every couple months, I like to put up a reminder or make a post about it because you gain new followers. People don't really know a lot about your past. And I, I think it's important to continuously keep talking about it um, because it, it's only, it's an issue that unfortunately is only growing still. There is not a end in sight for lack of a better term. And I think the more that we can do videos like this, connect with people and talk about it, and actually have something to show that you've overcome it and you've made something of your life. I think that's a really positive thing moving forward and something that not only the fitness industry, but the, the world in general needs more of. So. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you. Um, you know, all those sweet words with uh, the podcast. And that's honestly why I wanted to talk about it is I found that it helps. It helped me. So I wanted to help others. Yeah. Okay. So, you're obviously healthy now um, and recovered in the mm -hmm. bodybuilding space. And it's interesting yes, because I have a lot of people, at least come my way, who are like, why do you compete if it's unhealthy? And yeah. it's extreme. And I'm like, well, if any, for me, bodybuilding makes me stay structured because I have to be healthy for it. Absolutely. I have to build muscle. I have to eat in a calorie surplus. I have to make sure I'm eating enough. And even when I'm prepping, um, I, I try to do it for health. And the weird thing is, is when I'm prepping, I'm still eating more calories than I ever was in my eating disorder. So <laughs> yeah, and people don't, don't recognize that. And, you know, I think what's easy for me to do it is that I got to the root problem. My problem was not food and it was not exercise. That was the outcome. That was my outlet 
but that wasn't my issue. I love that. I got to my root issue. I talked about it. I dealt with it. I spent years dealing with it and getting over it. And that's why, that's why I think that bodybuilding has actually saved me in a way, because like you said, it gives you something to focus on. It gives you structure. Even before the army, I've always been one for structure my whole life. That's just, I've always gotten up early in the morning. I've always had a routine. Obviously I was a little bit more flexible than when I was going through my OCD stuff. Um, and, and I still have things that I prefer to do at certain times and in certain ways, but it does not constrain me. Like I am flexible with, it. I'm flexible with my dieting. Um, I'm flexible with my training. I'm flexible with my scheduling, things like that. Um, and I think that, I think that bodybuilding has given me that outlet, that competitive outlet. Um, but also given me a platform to be able to use my experiences to help others. Now I, um, for a few reasons, I actually have not been able to compete yet. I'm actually planning on it in 2021. A couple of years ago I had, I had built up and I actually went through a prep and just realized I don't have as much muscle as I thought I did. And for me, this is not about getting up on stage and just getting photos. This is what I love. This is an art form to me. This is, I'm going to be bodybuilding when I'm 50. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I know if my wife is sitting here. She'd be laughing. She said, it's not that far away. <laughs> she says I'm old all the time. Um, but this is, this is my life. This is what I love. And so um, I decided to not go through with a show and started building back up again. Um, and then I got into grad school and all this stuff. And um, I've just decided to just keep continuing to build until I get to a point where I feel that I want to get on stage, um, which I'm looking at 2021, kind of late 2021. Uh, cause I had a couple setbacks with injuries that kept me out of training for yeah. quite a while in 2019, which was a whole nother story and really frustrating. But I think that having that drive and that motivation to keep going, um, has been something that's really helped me with my recovery because it makes me focus on something other than my issues whatever whatever's going on whatever stress i'm going on in my life whatever anything like that i have a healthy outlet now and i have a healthy approach to it um now i um i love it because i'm also able to help other people get ready for the stage as well i had um i had two people last year um a guy who took second in an npc open bodybuilding show in texas um he's doing pittsburgh this year so we're really excited about that I had another guy who did two shows um, in men's physique. He got second and third. I've got four girls right now in prep. I've got, like I said, my guy that's doing another, doing the Pittsburgh this year. Um, so I get to work what I love. I get to work my craft. I've had some of the best mentors in the business. Not to mention, this is what I've been, my life has been devoted to this since 2008, pretty much. Um, so it's really rewarding for me to help others achieve their goals, not only on stage, but lifestyle, losing weight, building muscle, reverse dieting, um, while I'm still able to work towards my ultimate goal. Because like I said, I have, I want to do this till I'm 50, 60 years old. Like I want to be one of those old guys up there, you know, in the master's division, master's pro, still getting it done. Um, I just think there's so many great life lessons that you can learn through bodybuilding. And there's nothing that you can't, um, there's no life lesson that bodybuilding can't help, right? Or the gym that can't help you learn. You learn discipline. You learn, um, you know, you learn hard work. You learn prioritizing. You learn your diet. You learn recovery. 
everything mental toughness. Um, I think this is just such a great, passionate sport. And I actually, I started a, a new series on my YouTube channel interviewing people. And I talked to you about this, how I want you to come on for that too. Interviewing people that I feel represent bodybuilding in the right way. Because there's, there's a lot of internet bodybuilders now, right? And yeah. I don't think a lot of people understand the, the mentality that goes into it, how it's a lifestyle. Um, like I've just got an episode releasing today that I had John Jewett um, fourth place in the 212, Mr. Olympia last year. Um, and just really getting into the mentality of it. And I think when people start listening to, you know, people like yourself, these other people I bring on there, they're going to connect and learn that there's so many transfers from bodybuilding over into everyday life um, that it's such a positive thing. So I, I know I went on a rant there. I don't even know what I started to talk about, but no, I told you beforehand I might start ranting. So <laughs> I'm a talker too. That's why I have the podcast. So I loved what you said with um, bodybuilding. Like, yes, it's like physical endeavor, but like it's not correlated to your eating disorder because an eating disorder is a mental disorder. So because your mindset has shifted, just because your bodybuilding doesn't mean it's going to lead you into an eating disorder. And I do think that if people do develop some sort of disorder, again, there's probably like precursors to that. Um, or if they have like a relapse, there's probably a precursor to that. But what it sounds like is you really found your purpose as yeah. a coach and helping others. And that helps you stay strong. Um, Absolutely. And for me, that's the same. So like my clients, like if I'm ever like having, again, like the thoughts, because that happens every now and then, like I could mm -hmm. be constructive in that point, or I can really dive in deep and ask myself, well, why did that bother you, Nicole? Why did that phrase that someone said yep. bother you instead of like, you know what, F that person, I'm just going to go for a run for like three miles and right. go to bed. Or You're going to take all your anger out on the other person on yourself. And, and that's just not smart. Like that's, that's one thing you have to grow out of, right? Like, I'm sure you did it yourself. You learned, stop beating yourself up for other people being stupid. Yeah. And now I'll call people out in like a nice way. So like if they say something to me that does bother me, I'll just be like, Hey, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Can you not say that thing? Like, this sounds really weird too. Like, even if my mom told me that I looked healthy for some reason in my head that bothered me. So I would say, yeah. Hey, like, can you just not say that? Can you just say like, I look pretty or you look beautiful today, something different that right. my thoughts. So I think it's super important too for you to have people around you and your environment. Your environment's super crucial for you to have a healthy recovery and to remain healthy um, and have people to like understand you and not to like bother you and like right. you know, poke fun at you. Like you, you Listen, need having a support system is crucial. And I, I can't tell you that my family really understands my lifestyle. And my wife does, it's not really her thing, which is totally fine, but they all support me and they all understand that, listen, he's in a good place, right? And he understands what he's doing. He's well-educated. I mean, that's the whole reason I went back for my master's is to become a better coach. You know, I, I'm not one, I, I actually had a new study that was published um, a couple of days ago that I was a part of. I uh, had another one in the past. There's probably two more that hopefully in the next year or two will get published. And I love being a part of studies. I love conducting research. But I went into my master's to become ultimately a better coach. Mm -hmm. And that's why I sought out people like Dr. Bill Campbell, who his whole mission at USF is, to, uh, is for physique enhancement. And um, that's how I got connected with Lane a couple years ago, about three years ago now. Obviously, I'd followed Lane way before that. But 
Bill and, and Lane were good friends. That's how I got on mentoring under Lane and eventually turned into helping run the company and being the coach and everything. Um, but I think your, your support system is huge and they don't always, and they're probably not always going to understand what no. you're doing. Nobody I mean, knows. we are a very, it's, it's like a small population. It's like 1% of the population is actually like the fitness industry. Right. Yeah. And which is really weird for me to think of. Cause now when I think back at it, I was also part of another 1% that served in the military. So it's something about this minority group that I really, that really, really attracts me to the lifestyle. But the point is, is that you, it doesn't matter if anybody understands what you're doing. Do you always understand what everybody else is doing or why they do it? And, and it's learning that you are your own person. Um, people's thoughts, people's words, they don't mean anything. There's going to be something five minutes from now that they're going to totally forget about you. I have, I have a particular client that's always embarrassed at the gym. Like they're like, I don't, I don't think I'm doing it right. I think everyone's looking at me. I'm like, maybe they are, but you know what? In five minutes, they're going to completely forget about you. And it's not going to matter because we're not as important as we think we are in our own heads. Right. So having that support system that can kind of um, level you out and kind of pull you back down to reality is crucial. And that's what helped me with recovery too, is that my family started getting involved with my recovery and I knew that I wasn't alone. And I was starting to, I was sorry, able to start to see that I had, I had more to live for. Right. And as you start getting more nutritionally healthy, like your brain chemistry starts changing, you start realizing, wow, I was, I was really out of touch with reality there for a little bit. Like I started getting healthier. I started remembering the whole purpose I fell in love with fitness. And, you know, I started wanting to coach, start getting into coaching when I went into training in 2008. And so all of those good feelings, all of those um, aspirations that you once had before your, your illness, they start coming back and that helps drive you a little bit more and a little bit more towards recovery. And you're going to take two steps forward, one step back, you take two more steps forward, one step back. Um, but having that support system is just crucial. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely going to have moments when you feel not the best and you feel like, oh, like, again, like thoughts and stuff will come up, but it's more so if you take action on it. Um, yep. But it's in this industry, too, like if you guys are listening to this, maybe you are having the same struggles and you want to get into coaching, like people are going to be really confused with your career choice because it's, yeah. it's not traditional, but you have to do like what makes you happy. And even like for my parents and even my friends, like, I think a lot of them would just I'm from the Midwest too. I'm from Ohio. They would like kind of tilt their head when I said like, Oh, I want to be like a coach. And yeah. you're like, what does that even mean? Like you have a degree, like go get like a normal job. And I'm like, well, <laughs> this normal job, I'd still have to live at home. <laughs> so right. I, I didn't know you're from Ohio, Indiana. So right yeah, there. Yeah. Couple Midwesterners. I've only been in Tampa for a couple months now, but Ohio is just like a different mindset of just tradition. Um, mm -hmm. And I was the first person in like my family, like just like immediate family to get a bachelor's degree. So like, they were like super excited that like, Oh, like you got a degree, you're set for life. And what was, <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was yeah. I, um, I started making content on YouTube when I was 14 up to 22. Um, and I've kind of stopped because I'm focusing on like, you know, Instagram and TikTok and podcasting and all of my clients. So that's a priority right now over YouTube. But just creating content then was like a good outlet for me. And I always thought at like a young age, like, how can I like do what I love to do and like kind of get paid for it? 
I took a Absolutely. while. But I realized that a lot of the people who are working with me now have been watching me for two, three years. And that's why it also like helps me stay strong because like I don't I don't want to go back to that. Okay. Because no yeah. one would want to work with me then. I wouldn't want no. to work with me then. <laughs> Well, and you, you always hold on to those feelings that you had back then. I mean, that's, I, I constantly keep pictures of what I looked like and, and old thoughts that I had and post, I keep, I constantly look at those every now and then. And just as a reminder, like, listen, that's not where I want to go. Like I have no desire to go back to that. And there's no reason to all the things that I was afraid of, all the things that I was pissed off about, everything that was just, I don't know, just troubling me. Um, either it's not there anymore or I have healthy ways of dealing with it. And, you know, it's just, it's just a hell that I don't wish anybody to go through. And I just like enjoy the little things a lot more like going out to eat. Like I love going out to eat now because I feel like just recently I've been able to do that and not stress out about it. And I get to yeah. choose what I want and everything's fine. And that, like, I get people DMing me. They're like, Oh, like I'm so nervous about to eat like I feel like the macros are going to be off or this or that I'm like look macro tracking is great but just like anything it can be taken to a whole nother level and it right. can be excessive. and you know that's another conversation for another day but you still need to see that flexibility with food too absolutely couldn't agree more so um one last thing David um okay. what would be your advice to a man that's listening to this who feels like they're in your shoes where they were struggling with a lot of structure, they might have kind of got disconnected from the people around them, but they also mm -hmm. have love for fitness and wanting to help others. Um, I would definitely suggest making sure that you are talking to a licensed therapist, okay? Go, go get to the root of your issue. Um, if structure is your issue, learn to use it in your favor, okay? Like I said, I have not lost my my desire and my need for structure. I love structure. I've just learned how to make it my friend instead of my enemy. So if, if your issue is um, go talk to someone, make sure that you, you get to the bottom of your, your real issue. Okay. Because once you do get to the bottom of that, your life just naturally starts to loosen up a little bit. You're not so tight. You're not so rigid on everything. Um, and then if you still like the structure, if you still have this this desire for it, learn to use it in your own way, um, positively. Okay. For me, it helps. The structure helps me stay on track with my clients, helps me stay on track with my training, my meals, my family time, um, other content, other things that I, I do on the side. Um, so it is a very positive part of my life right now. It's not any different than how it was destructive in my life before, except I re I reframed my train of thought. Okay, so that's what I would uh, tell someone is figure out what is causing you to partake in these eating disorder behaviors, get to the bottom of that, and then learn to use your, your rigidity, your structure, all that for a positive impact on your life, because it can be a very positive thing, um, and learn to be flexible a little bit more, and yeah. that's not going to come overnight, like you need to take baby steps with that, set be flexible. Maybe, maybe for someone, it's one day a week. You try training at a different time of the day, just yeah. one day a week. Or maybe it's one meal. You try not tracking for that one meal or something like that. You know, make baby steps. Like I said, this did not happen for me overnight. I, I've been in recovery since 2011. 
Okay. I, I went through recovery. Um, and even though I haven't been in like an actual inpatient facility or outpatient since 2015, you know, five years now, um, doesn't mean I still don't practice that stuff on a, on a regular basis. I, you learn tools. That's what's probably most important about therapy. You get to uh, the bottom line, you get to the bottom issue, the underlying issue, and then you learn tools that carry over for you the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And I can't like emphasize that enough. Like I can't tell you how many times I've got had people reach out to me who I can tell just from their DMs that there's like red flags for eating disorder behavior and yeah. want a fitness coach and not a therapist. And guys like therapists are specialized to help you. Not only that, they're they have to keep your information confidential. So if anything, yeah. you have like I'm not going to force anyone to go to therapy, but you should go to therapy because they are going to be able to help you best and not a fitness coach. Again, going back to this is a mental disorder and not a physical disorder. The physical right. way you look um, or even some of the behaviors is the result of the mental. So again, like it can be confusing, I think. And that's why we try to spread awareness that, oh, like a fitness coach will be able to help me because it'll help me to, you know, get stronger and eat a little yeah. bit more, but it, that's not the thing okay it's it's something further right I think that's been one of the biggest strengths of being a coach is that I can recognize like you said those those clients that come to you with these behaviors or these the comments they make and stuff like that you can kind of pick it out and you can you can be the one to suggest that they go see someone I I've turned people away because I'm like listen you need to go get therapy you need to go work this out I'm not the one to work with you right now and then I have no issue turning clients away if it means that they're going to go to actual therapists and get help so yeah and just giving them tools too like my like Nita you can even like go on there and do like a mm -hmm. um, screening quiz and then you can like look up local therapists to you yep yep I, it's such a prominent thing guys unfortunately um, but there's also a lot of great organizations a lot of great people to reach out to for help so Definitely. Well, thank you so much, David. Um, again, guys, all of his information is going to be down below, but you can drop anything else here that you would like to right now on the podcast. Um, yeah. Um, my Instagram's at Mathis Fitness, M-A-T-H-A-S Fitness. Everybody always spells Mathis wrong. Um, I have a website, www.coachdavidmathis.com, um, or you can email me, david at biolane.com. Um, I also have a YouTube channel, which I think she'll link below. Um, and I'm actually going to have her on my channel soon. So make sure you go subscribe because you'll want to hear our conversation as well. Yeah. Lots of great content. But thank you. Yes. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate this opportunity. Yes. You're welcome. Hey guys on the beyond the bikini podcast, you know, I talk a lot about training and nutrition. Trust me, it can be hard to hit the gym consistently, track your macros to a T, and feel like you're making progress. So rather you're a newbie in the gym or someone who's been hitting the gym consistently but possibly hit a plateau, then I recommend you check out my one-on-one -on -one coaching. No, I do not only coach prep clients, but I coach lifestyle clients as well. I would love to hear more about your goals, so feel free to apply for my one-on-one -on -one coaching down below at the link. There we can discuss what you're wanting to accomplish in the gym with your relationship with food and how I can help you reach your goals.